0: house lights down welcome to post sunday blues a preaching post-mortem and i am jim happy to be joined and interviewed today my good friend eric eric how are you
1: doing all right man doing all right trying to stay dry uh on this super ridiculously rainy stretch of days here
0: it's been really wet <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and cold I got a cold <laughs> what happened yeah and i i guess uh I listened to your sermon today when I was running outside in the yeah. wet, wet and cold, I think for the first time this year, the combination, yeah, yeah wet yeah. and cold, so I was reminded again that I don't really like running in the wet and cold.
1: Yeah, I did the same yesterday. The cold doesn't bother me, but running in the precipitation is not my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Wet socks.
0: Yep. No good. Yeah. Well, we are we are nice and dry right now and happy to be... With all of you talking about Eric's sermon from this past Sunday at Liberty Church, Collingswood, I was nearby in New Life Glassboro, but I missed being with my own people. Uh, there was one anger representative at church on Sunday, and he said that you did a really good job. So thank you for uh, keeping my teenager awake for <laughs> yeah, for, man. The, for the whole sermon. That doesn't always happen when when his old man preaches. So yeah, he looked attentive. Take the win. I like it. So Genesis chapter 14, uh, the first two-thirds of the chapter, verse 1, what did we go to, to? 16. To to 16, let's hear let's hear more about it as we call it stormy monday. Yeah. Just to begin. I I do have a couple questions here, but I'll I'll let you kick off. What was going on in you and around you last week as you were thinking about writing a sermon
1: yeah so a little bit of a maybe a little bit of, of background um, leading up to kind of like what did I want to get across what was I burdened to get across in this sermon so mm-hmm. um, during my sabbatical this summer in the 12 weeks that I was away my wife Carrie and I uh, and you know this Jim but to tell our, our listeners we okay. we I'll, uh, I'll play dumb <laughs> we Carrie and I have been working through listening to reading uh sonship material right um from Jack Miller, uh, New Life Presbyterian Church in Glenside, now uh, Surge, the missions organization sort of has.
0: I was going to ask you where you got that sonship quote from. Yeah, has has the
1: rights to the sonship now, um, Surge. So, um, yeah, so that's something that's been like a lot of like gospel um, stuff and how the gospel, not just, hey, here's the theology of the gospel, uh, like, you know, Jesus's atonement and, you know, death on the cross and yeah. atonement theories or, like, you know, substitution. Like, all that stuff, sure. But how does justification specifically and then also sanctification, how does it, like, play out in real life? What are some of the implications of those things, like, for our relationships and for, like, our emotional health and yeah. um, and other things? And um, so that's been something that Carrie and I have been walking through and has been on our minds a lot over the course of this summer. So it's probably... Not a shocker that the first sermon that I preach post sabbatical um was was one in which uh the gospel and like this idea of grace to the unworthy. Yeah. Um I couldn't get away from it as I was preparing. It was mm-hmm. just like I don't know, it was one of those feelings like I can't not make this a major point. Yeah. Even though I felt like I, I could have, um, which I can get to later. But um, but yeah, so that was kind of I guess a big thing going on as I just was thinking a lot about uh, lot and how unworthy he was, but because of his, his present, uh, as well as his past and future mistakes, yeah. um, and that he was kind of in this predicament, it was kind of his fault. Um, yeah. but God was super gracious through Abram right. to rescue him. So, yeah, so that, so that was kind of the background. That was a lot of what was kind of going on in my heart and mind personally. Um, so yeah, man, the gospel and, uh, just, just the beauty and depth and richness, uh, and graciousness of the gospel. Yeah
0: good stuff. And to ask as well Eric, I was in Atlanta getting some church planter coaching coaching for for a few days. So I wasn't here. You had a compressed period of time by which you were going going through the sermon whether uh yeah, like like different things. So 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 your morning or you, you were in Tennessee a couple of weeks ago with the passing of your father. Right. Um you, you uh I was thinking you haven't actually and, and this isn't a criticism, but the number of like full work weeks that you've put in since mid-May is Not a lot. Uh, not the,
1: Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah they, things have happened. continues to be crunched. Right. Uh, I get last week was probably the first one almost in some ways, maybe not totally true. Crazy. But um Maybe the yeah maybe the one right before my dad died that was a good full work week but yeah it's been strange yeah um, yeah it's it's been a little bit strange so it was a little bit of a crunch it's the first sermon preparation that I can recall in recent memory where I literally did zero until like the Monday yeah. leading up to it I usually like to do which I probably shared on the podcast before I like to at least maybe get a few hours the week before just yeah. to get the juices flowing a little right. bit um, but but this time because of those things. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really look at the passage with preaching eyes at all until Monday morning, and uh, yeah. So that was that was a. I guess that's what it feels like to be you every week, <laughs> uh, but that's not my role, so I'm not used right. to. it. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, w- w- what did it feel like to be carrying the weight of being back in Tennessee, qualitatively, but then also just having less time? Did those things? When you were in sermon mode, was it just sermon mode or or did things bleed into each other either some of the some of the weight or more anxiety with getting things done or
1: yeah I mean, so you well know, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of anxiety with like you know being gone two weeks unexpectedly is very different than being gone two weeks when you can like prepare for it yeah, so yeah, I mean i can when I coming back from Tennessee, I felt a little bit in like scramble mode to catch up. Yeah. Felt super behind, forgot to even like put my away message on. So I had like emails sitting in my inbox. Right. I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just now getting back to you. I forgot to put it up, the away message on. So yes, I mean, yeah, there was some like scramble mode and catch up a little anxiety with the launch of the ministry year with like home meetings with our leadership development class that we're getting ready to launch and some other things that there were a lot of things that felt, um, Last week were, or the week prior, those two weeks felt like, oh man, these, like, these are all like urgent and like time sensitive right. um, and like important and urgent to use like Covey's thing. And mm-hmm. so, um, yes, yeah, so that was a little bit of a challenge to feel the feel that while starting from scratch on a sermon on Monday, rather than maybe. In previous times, when I've been able to prepare ahead, right, knowing that there's some urgent stuff to do the week leading up, but I've already done a little bit of prep, so yeah, that was different. That was that was definitely different in that regard. Um, but I think like in God's grace, like I think the sermon came together in like a, a reasonable number of hours. Yeah, with a reasonable number of um hiccups and roadblocks that weren't like over and above the, the mm-hmm. norm, so it was okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really
0: strong, and it didn't feel rushed. From what I heard when I was listening to the sermon earlier today, the when I was in college, the pastor that Emily and I and others sat under, his sermon prep time was down to five hours or less per sermon. Oh, yeah, I feel like we said that before, which, which, which is honest. crazy. And and he would sometimes be as, as little as one. So he, we were in a group of people, and, and and somebody asked him once, What's your sermon prep time? and he says, Between one and five hours. And I said,
1: I can tell the difference between a one-hour sermon and a five-hour yeah. sermon. Yeah, so that's be gonna get too close. We, it would be interesting to like plot a graph of like quality of sermon versus oh, hours. Oh, right. Because I bet the the difference between a one- five a five-hour sermon is huge. Yeah. But then the difference between like fifteen hours to twenty-five hours of prep is yeah. probably like not very big. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And it probably like decreases from there. Yeah. For um, sure. It'd be interesting to. To, 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 for somebody who's good at good at the math, to to plot that, <laughs> yeah, that would, interesting to see. Yeah. There's gotta be a, there needs to be a preaching book with a graph. That would make that would make, oh, that would, would make somebody like is... me happy. <laughs> the, the preaching graphs. That, <laughs> that's the title of your preaching book.
0: And it could be like an app and use technology. And
1: I'll just show people how to like pictures. map out preaching series and <laughs> like give some data, like a Lord of the Rings kind of map through. Hey, we still through have to talk down. Lord of the Rings, my yeah, friend, because. I don't know. I actually didn't listen to the podcast when you after the sermon after you referenced that. Did yeah. you did you confess your Lord of the Rings fandom or lack thereof during the uh oh, in the podcast? I forget it. I forget if I did.
0: I think that was the Sunday when I was recorded on Sunday, rushing to get out at, yeah. at the door. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it may have been cut for time. But uh I am really enjoying Rings of Power. Okay. Okay. So, but you've never
1: read but more. you've never read Tolkien otherwise you've never read Hobbit or Lord of the Rings no so right so we gotta we gotta talk about that because I okay I sat in the pew a little squirmy when you started referencing Lord of the Rings knowing that that you've never read it
0: (laughs) well just to that jog jog my memory real quick I did mention that in the podcast because so as you know Eric I don't I'm not a manuscript preacher and correct but I for many parts of the sermon I go over it in my head ahead of time to the point of like word for word especially like right right Things that I want to make sure are are clear, transitions, complex stuff to explain. But then for other things, I don't actually think it through at the level of word. And when I gave the analogy about Smeagol and Gollum, in real time that Sunday morning, I realized I really don't know much of this backstory (laughs) at all. Uh. So it was a little bit about riding a bike and like forgetting how you're riding. It's Uh. like, what do I how do I explain Smeagol and Gollum?
1: I really have no idea. Interesting. So, well, well, we could take that discussion uh, offline. Yeah, I'm glad you like Rings of Power, though. It's I really can, great. I can yank for I, a yeah, while about
0: that Yeah, I'm really well. surprised. So for another time, whether, yeah. whether with microphones in front of us or not. But Fair enough. One, one other thing as we segue here, Eric, to Sun Studios' Presence of the Lord to talk about the text a little bit more. You mentioned Covey. Yeah. Stephen Covey. Did you know, and we'll tie into oh, local man. sports teams, yeah. Britton Covey, who's the punt and kick returner for the Eagles, is the grandson of Stephen wow. Covey. Wow.
1: Yeah. Interesting. I imagine that his grandfather was more sure handed than he was. <laughs> yeah. You win some, you, you lose some. So there we
0: go. Sure handedly, we are going to talk Genesis chapter 14. Weird passage. But I thought you did a great job of explaining it, making it clear, not getting lost in the weeds, but giving us some through lines that we could could make sense of it, beginning with the rescue of Abram from Lot. What was interesting as you were studying this passage, Eric, what stood out to you?
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. So interesting and challenging. I can go with interesting first. Uh, Interesting. um, Yeah. Two things. One, like all the geography was was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We preach Old Testament narrative fairly regularly. We like to have a a nice balanced diet of Mm -hmm. biblical genre. Part of
0: this balanced breakfast.
1: Here at uh, at Liberty Church, Collinswood. And so preaching Old Testament narrative is not unusual, but I don't think I've ever preached a passage that's had this many like city names, country names. Right. Yeah. And that sort of stuff in it. And so um, during one of my early preaching um, prep days – Yeah, I I pulled out, like, a physical Bible dictionary, like, from from seminary and kind of dusted that bad boy off and cracked it open and was like, okay, where is this city? And, like, what else happened there, you know? And and was kind of just looking up. I was like, man, this sounds so familiar. Like, where where does this come from? So that was kind of – that was actually really interesting. It's not something that I do super regularly. I'm not, like, a huge, huge, like – history of, like, Israel, like, get super, super right. deep in the weeds of, of all that stuff.
0: Bible archaeology. Yeah,
1: even though it is interesting. But yeah. um, so that was kind of fun uh, to, to, to do that and to dig in and to dig into mm-hmm. that a little bit. Um, for, for example, like, one of the things that I, um, that I cut from the sermon, which I was going to mention later, but I'll mention it now since we're talking about geography, is just this idea of, so Moses pursues, uh, Moses. Sorry, Abram. Right, I have Moses written down on yeah. my page as the author, uh, potentially. Uh, so Abram pursues uh, this coalition uh, from Dan uh, up up to the city that's just outside of Damascus, and it and it occurred to me that c- centuries later, mm-hmm. one, one Saul would be pursuing
2: oh. up
1: that exact same road. Uh, followers of the way and would and would meet the risen christ and i so there was a moment of like man this like he's on the same road like he's yeah. literally on the same road like
0: Huh that's really interesting very,
1: like first patriarch like very beginning of the people of god mm-hmm. flash forward all the way um and maybe there's other events obviously that happened on that road over the course of thousands of years but sure. uh but i just thought that was a really interesting thing and it was just kind of neat to be reminded of that and think like oh this is the same plot of ground even this ground that's technically north outside of the promised land where, like, um, there are other things in the biblical story that took place there. So that was kind of an interesting thing. So it was fun to dig into the geography a little bit. Yeah. Uh, So so
0: I thought of that during the sermon, Eric, when you specifically made the point that Abram pursued to Dan, which was the northern edge of the promised land a little bit. And I thought that was a really both within the course of the sermon – And then exegetically apart from that, a well-timed detail that I think does make a difference. And what came to my mind is for most of us, most of the time reading Old Testament narrative, the place names don't really have any much significance at all. Yeah. But the analogy that came to my mind was if somebody mentions, and this is apples and oranges, but somebody mentions something about happening in El Paso. Like most Americans will know El Paso is not just anywhere. That's a border town. Yeah. And there's a specific set of dynamics, U.S., Mexico, yeah. lots of things going on. And by mentioning Dan, which I guess was an archaicism as yeah. well, right. there's there's a tip off to the, to the reader at the time that, that would have understood that the stakes are set vis a the promised land in ways that are just
1: are not obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought that was really interesting and really fun. Um, yeah. So the geography was, was really interesting. The yep. other thing that I've always found interesting and was happy to mention this, something that um, years ago was pointed out to me or I read or whatever, but just like, I, I do find like lots storyline and his like continual slide. Um, mm-hmm. To be just like a fascinating element of story. Like, oh, really? Like in this part of Genesis? Oh, I don't
0: think we are ever talked about that.
1: I, um, I'm, yeah. I, am I don't like Lot. So, I mean, I'm not saying I like him. He's a good character, <laughs> yeah. and it's good storyline. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he's, so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm resisting talking about Lord of the Rings again. But there are so, plenty of characters in there that yeah. you know, I don't, you don't like them, but True. their storyline. Yeah, makes for richer narrative. He, so. He's kind of a buffoon. I'll yeah, for sure. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, thanks, uncle, for getting me out of this. Man, I can't believe I got captured in that city. I, I need to go home. I got to go back. Yeah. I've got stuff to do. Do you remember what was <laughs> like, really fun? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bro, like, be- you shouldn't live there anymore. Like, right. Find somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and to, to tie in from the sermon there, Eric, that I preached two weeks ago. Right. And it seems like it's true in Genesis 14 as well. Geography has a symbolic layer to it or it's not, it's not myth. Mm -hmm. So it happened, but, but there is still like weight of symbolism connected to whether the Bible characters at this point are moving towards or away from the promised land.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think as well, and I tried to hint at this a little bit um, when I talked about uh, the idea of, of blessing and Mm -hmm. Abram and God and the people of God being called to bless um, and to be blessing to the nations. But like, but also lot being like physically removed from his uncle, who was the one who received that blessing. He's putting himself sort of outside of God's blessing, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and so that, that geographical distance has a, has a feature there. Mm-hmm. The relationship maybe more importantly, but yeah. anyway, yeah. but yeah, but there is some pieces there too, that, that is interesting. Yeah. The, the geography is important. Um, and it is true that so often when you read through the old Testament and me included, like I'm guilty of it, like you just, you get through chapters, like in your daily office reading it, 6:15 a.m. in the morning, and you're right. only taking two sips of your first cup of coffee, and you're like, "Nudly," and you just kind of yep. blast through keep all these going. like place names and yep. keep going, you know. But but there is not always, but sometimes, and I think this passage is one of them where there, there's some pieces there that are really important to yeah to grab onto, and 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 the author did it on purpose, yeah. I like it.
0: So so you said there were a couple interesting things. Was that number one? Yeah, so
1: geography was one, and then Lot's slide. Oh, yeah, through, sorry Keep was going. was the other yeah. one? And that's all I'll say for now. I mean, mm. you're going to come back to it or, or or somebody whoever's preaching January, whatever if, like yeah. when we get to right. to Genesis eighteen nineteen. but so there'll be more of lot and we'll find him back in Sodom again. and yeah. and his daughter's engaged to men of Sodom. and he's um found sitting in the gate, which yeah. seems to be a phrase to to show <laughs> that he was some sort of a respected man and an elder mm-hmm. of some kind. He wasn't just like lazy or like right. hanging out or like taking a smoke break, but he was there yep. for a reason. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so there's that, that slide where he, he not only, uh, goes back, but seems to continue advancing in, in that direction. So yeah. I've always found that to be really interesting and, and he's an interesting character in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, So those are two interesting things. Um, two challenging things were, were one, uh, like, Pronouncing all the names, yeah. Like I've never practiced. uh I've never practiced my ser my scripture reading more. Uh, you ever. did a really good job. As as uh, I was listening
0: to you read it, yeah, you know, I was holding my breath. But yeah, you got through I, it. It yeah. happened.
1: I um, th- yeah. One, one of my I was telling a couple people this either on Sunday or we hung out with some friends um Sunday night. But uh that I t- I I tend to listen to at least one sermon. Um, that I find on the passage that I preach on just to sort of hear, hey, how does another preacher kind mm-hmm. of approach this? Right. Well, in this particular one, I was also very interested in how they did the scripture reading. So <laughs> I did find one that was a, a well-respected like preacher and even like a scholar. And I thought he probably knows how to pronounce all these pretty yeah. well. So I listened to him and, and did some, did a little practicing. Yeah. Um, took some reps in the batting cage of right. scripture reading. Yeah.
0: It, it totally makes a difference. One of my, and we've talked about this, Eric pet peeves, especially with younger preachers, and I guess not necessarily just younger preachers too, is sure. if, if, if at that particular church the preacher also gives a scripture reading upon yeah, which the right, sermon right, is based, right. sometimes you'll spend hours and hours in sermon prep but never actually read the sermon passage out loud until yeah. Yeah. when you're in the room that morning and it can sound really rough and it like totally diminishes right. people's willingness to listen even if they don't realize it's doing it. Yeah, if They're just sitting there wondering, hey, if... If you're acting like you've never seen this Bible passage before in your life, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not supposed to listen. To I'm this. not really
1: going to listen. You're going to tell me how to understand. This sounds like you just read it for the first time right. in your life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, for the from the preacher's perspective, and I've been that preacher for sure that got up and started reading and thought, uh-oh, I haven't read this in like six days." Yep. All the way through. Yeah. Um, it also just gets the sermon like in like in your own like internal kind of emotional place off to the wrong foot. Yeah feeling kind of anxious and your heart's beating and your, you know, your tongue is starting to stick to the roof of your mouth a little bit. You haven't even got to the intro to the sermon. You're still just reading the passage. Right. So it feels good when you kind of nail it and it gets you into a positive groove rather than off, off on like a rocky start. But yeah. So, so, so all the names, uh, both of places and Kings, um, was challenging. Um, and the other challenging thing too, which hopefully I was able to explain at least to the best of my ability, um, and kind of the conclusion that I came to is just like, why in the world is this passage in here? Yeah. Like it just, yep. it feels like outside of the lot narrative, you could just cut it out and yeah. have moved from, I mean, obviously I guess for the passage next week with um, Abram meeting Melchizedek, like that has, like this has to have happened because right. it's post the battle. Yeah. But like, but the lot pieces and and some of all the geography and the detail um, if, if, it feels like you could have turned these 16 verses into one or two verses and then jumped right into the Melchizedek stuff yep. and you wouldn't be missing anything. Yeah. That's what it seems like. So, so that was just a challenge too, to just, even after doing some commentary work and my own like research and reading, just kind of having to like kick back in my chair and think like,
2: what
3: is
1: this saying? Like, why is this here? Yeah. Um, what is, what is the point in trying to figure out a way to kind of come to a conclusion myself, but then also figure out how to communicate that in a concise intelligible way. So that was a challenge, um, as well. Yeah. It's just like, why, why do these 16 verses exist? Yep. And, and why in this particular place in the book of Genesis? So.
0: I agree. There's both, the there's a forest versus the trees issue sometimes with preaching where I guess on a going from verse to verse throughout this passage, it's not super difficult to under, to understand what's going on. Exactly. Right. But at the larger level, the forest level, <laughs> what is going, what is going on here? And, and Eric, we talked on the phone a little bit, I think, last week mm. about how there are some more critical biblical scholars that that will think that Genesis 14 is not original to Genesis; it was a later right, insertion right. or addition because reasons in that direction. This is the only time in all of Genesis where Abram is functioning militaristically, yeah, right? Right. And yeah. Nowhere else. So is is this a different Abraham tradition, or is it a totally different story about a different character, and they just stuck Abram's name on it, the reasoning goes, Melchizedek, super weird, going to talk about that this Sunday, yeah, I can't and, wait to hear that. and even the name of God used here, God Most High, so this is in my passage coming up, Blessed Be Abram by God Most High, El yeah. Elyon, that, that's a super unusual way of talking about God especially in Genesis so that's another documentary hypothesis yeah, yeah, type, yeah. type type thing but it, but I I think of a seminary professor that said when you when things are unusual in the overall context of a book and scholars are sometimes tempted to say this is not original they they very often are making the fallacy of the idiot redactor where mm. if If this was just compiled from all of these different sources over a long period of time, the fact that this chapter is so unusual would raise the possibility that the redactor wouldn't Mm. include it or do more to build connections between what's going on here, smooth out language, Mm. connect more storylines. So the fact that it is so unusual and in some ways standalone is not an argument against its authenticity to the original, Mm. but actually for.
1: Yeah. That's good. I've never heard that before, but that makes sense. It reminds me of of um, similar lines of argumentation that you'll hear related to like the historicity of Jesus and the Gospels. Exactly, and the idea yeah. of like, it's of same, hey, if a, if a woman moves. is the one who stumbled upon Jesus's empty tomb and is the primary testimony, um, like in that culture, that would have been bad news. Like, yep. really, if if it wasn't true, the author if would have much it. rather would have wanted yeah. to put like a a man of high standing. Mm-hmm. Um, in that place, right. and not like a poor woman. Yeah. Um, so it actually, it it actually yeah. argues the other way around, which is which is interesting. Yeah. Huh.
0: Yeah. Like a like a Jalen Hurts type of figure, because he's because everybody thinks he's so awesome because he has good quad strength. <laughs> he can push the pile. <laughs> he can push a pile. All right. Anything else with present to the Lord? The Bible text before we muddy the waters. No.
1: Let's yeah. Let's move on and and get get into the thick of it there.
0: All right, so you you began this with a story about a guy in Texas who did a ton of rescuing, and yeah, one of the main themes of the sermon was was simply about our needing our needing rescue. Tell me more.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, that just sort of felt like uh, maybe an overly obvious theme to just say like, well, "This is the theme of the passage." Well, it's um, there, but yeah, yeah. but it, but it, but it, it, again, it was one of those things where it was like it was so obvious like let's just go with it and not mm-hmm. and not uh kick against the goads yep. so to speak yep. yeah don't have to reinvent the wheel here um, yeah so that was yeah so that was the main thing i actually um think one of the challenges was that i i easily i think could have so, yeah so there's two pe- so there's two pieces of that so so with rescue and this is one of the things that was challenging about this was um the organization for this sermon came together kind of late Okay, um, which we can chat a little bit oh, more about in a second, but um, the with that rescue, there was a lot in my mind of okay, there's kind of two points here mm-hmm. under rescue. I Ended up making it rescue and grace for my two points, yeah. but really they're kind of like one A and one B because it's rescue through God's people, yeah, one A, and then right. like rescue of those who are unworthy, yeah, one B, um, and and there was actually like part of me at one point that thought like I I, th- I feel like I could preach this sermon and it might even be a better sermon if I only preached one of those points. Oh. Yeah. Um because because to to try to do both mm-hmm. justice you you have to be like somewhat concise in ways that maybe you could tease out things a little bit more. Yeah. And and so that was actually a challenge in this sermon because there was part of me that thought like depending on who I would like the audience I was preaching to or what was going on in my own like heart and mind throughout the week. I almost felt like I could have hung out on point one a and just hmm. talked about, Hey, God uses his people to, to, to push forward like yeah. his, his plan of redemption, his, right. uh, in the Jesus storybook Bible language, his secret rescue mission. Yep. Um, and I, I, I feel like I could have like then made point B kind of all about like, Hey, this is what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. And here's what that looks like. Yeah. and, you know, I gave a little bit of that because I felt like I needed to, wanted to pull that idea of God using his people from the Old Testament page into our modern context, yeah. at least a little bit. But I felt like I could have preached a whole sermon on that. Right. Um, and then likewise, I felt like I also could have like completely ignored the God uses his people piece and and basically preached a whole sermon about rescue to the unworthy. Yep. And teased out like the grace and the you are lot and mm-hmm. humility. Yeah. And, um, and all that even more. So, so that was a little bit of a challenge is I felt like there was, and, and maybe, and maybe in hindsight, I should have left one of those on the cutting, on the cutting room floor, but I, I, but it worked. Yeah. But it felt, it felt like, um, yeah, both of them were just so there in the passage. I I just couldn't, Mm -hmm. I, I just, I just couldn't cut it off. But again, maybe if I preach on this passage or preach this sermon again, um, and it's to a different audience, maybe I'll play with it and run in a different direction slightly. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, but that was a little bit of a challenge, uh, to, to, to the sermon was, was really those, both of those points could have been under the rescue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Heading in some ways, but I I split it up into rescue and and grace to have two different points there, but yeah,
0: they're connected. And, and I enjoyed towards, towards the middle and end of the sermon, how you made us see that we're not, we shouldn't just align ourselves with Abram, the hero of the story, right, but also right. with with Lot as the one needing rescue. So pushing against always reading ourselves as a hero, and then yeah. also as as a lone ranger, somebody that doesn't need doesn't need community as well. So, but both of those pieces, including the tying the larger communal or the people aspect to it. Yeah. Th- when I went back this afternoon and looked at the passage, it really is there. Yeah, and, and there are important things even now.
1: Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, with the community piece which again was one of those things i was like is this is a point is this like i don't know yeah it was one of the, I, I didn't know where to put community really um whether it was going to be its own point or just like part of a conclusion like a hidden point in the conclusion or something yep but um but yeah the community piece is there and one of the things that got my mind stirring on that actually is that in this passage depending on what translation you look at that's also one of my habits and preaching preface to read a few different translations that have slightly different translation philosophies so that that way yeah. you get a little bit of variety there mm-hmm. um depending on the translation i think it's only once here in the esv and in, in, um, in verse 13 where it talks about uh eshcol and anur were allies of abram right um and a couple other translations the word ally pops up in a couple other places like with uh and his crew and then maybe somewhere else it, it, okay. it was also used in a different translation. Yep. And just the idea of like allies and that here you have um, it, like nobody in this passage is alone except for a lot for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but, yep. uh, but nobody is alone. Like you oh. have these Kings they're they're in a coalition together fighting against other Kings that are coalition together. Right. You have Abram who doesn't go fight in this point. I didn't tease out, but I probably could have in the community section, it kind of was something that I had to, I had to skip over um, but Abram isn't like a solo hero because he took 318 men from his own household that were trained mm-hmm. but also some people will say the whole reason that these two Amorite brothers are mentioned is like they probably went too like oh. they were his allies so like they probably also went hmm. so like Abram wasn't just like by himself like right. I can do this all by myself he wasn't rambo yeah exactly <laughs> going through vietnam exactly with the Bowie knife. um so there so there is like a a community aspect on, on, on all the different things. And then obviously the, the, the community aspect that I chose to actually highlight was the fact of if we are a lot, like how much do we need relationships to, yeah. to pull us out when we're in these bad, bad spots. But, um, but there's kind of community all throughout the passage, which I thought was kind of interesting as well. And that, that word ally allies allied mm-hmm. um, kind of stuck out to me when I was, when I was reading.
0: Yeah. And those are muscles that we need to continue to re-exercise as we, <laughs> Remember how to be in community with one another as well after a couple of crazy years. Yeah. Anything else, muddying the waters? You yeah. Realize? the on,
1: The only other thing that I would say with muddying the waters, I just hinted at a minute ago, is that I I really struggled um, with the structure of my sermon, and part of that was because I just couldn't come up with like points that I felt good about, like either that oh, yeah. were like alliterated or like parallel in oh, some right. way. Yeah. Um. You know whether it was like God uses His people, God blah blah blah, yeah. God blah blah blah. Yeah. Um. Like I, 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 yeah, I tinkered with all kinds of stuff. Um, kept
0: trying to parallel park the car yeah, and
1: I just, man, it was ugly. It was bad. And, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, I eventually just bailed and went to a, went to a parking lot, <laughs> um, went to a parking garage, you know, a couple blocks away instead. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and, and so what I, what I ended up doing, what kind of popped into my mind and, and maybe this was God's grace to me is like one of my habits, um, during the week is as I listened to Scott Saul's, mm-hmm. um, and for those that don't know or maybe aren't familiar with that name, he was a pastor at Redeemer with Tim Keller in um, in New York City and is now the lead pastor of uh, Christ. I believe it's called Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, yep. Tennessee. And so I, I, I enjoy listening to him. I like his sermons a lot. And and he's, he's one who doesn't spend much time on his points generally. And so he regularly oh. at the beginning of his sermons will say something like I did, which was like, yep, we're going to talk about – uh, rescue Grace Community. And they're just kind of like, they don't mm-hmm. align. They don't alliterate. Yep. They're not, they're just there. They're not really like artful. Yeah. He just kind of says, this is what it is and moves on. But he's a great preacher. And I thought, you know what? If he has that tool in his toolbox, like, I'm just going to borrow that screwdriver Scott here. Scott's
0: call, sc- screwdriver. Yeah.
1: I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to punt on like racking my brain for parallel words and uh, yeah. thesaurus right. work and all this stuff and just, and just go s- full Scott Saul. So I, 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 that was that was kind of one of the challenges and when i sort of finally let myself say whatever i'm just going to do whatever yeah. um that's when those three points kind of solidified and i and i was able to kind of hammer it out from there so that was kind of a you ran with it yeah there was a lot of muddy in there for a little bit so
0: eric do you think that what you just said about those three points not being alliterated or super parallel was was that a reaction against what you told me we went to the preacher's name but one of the sermons you listened to on this passage
1: was oh. absurdly illiterate
0: tell 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 the listeners
1: how oh, alliterated gosh. it was yeah it was like oh do you want me to pull it should i pull it up is it worth actually pulling up yeah be able to. let me see if i can pull it okay. up really quick yes yeah, so it was a yeah it was a it was a, a sermon and i have no idea who this guy is just for full full disclosure but oh, yeah, i did i, I uh did you Oh, oh yeah, 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 oh yeah, it was that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> right. You're right. Um, yes, yeah, so we won't you say know the who name. you are. That guy. Hopefully, somebody won't Google this. Where's where are my notes on this? <laughs> yeah. So his so his points his points were his main three points: uh-huh. a call to commitment, the characteristics of commitment, the cautions of commitment. Right. Love it. But then underneath a call to commitment, he had two points: love for neighbor, love for God. Right. Under characteristics of commitment, he had four points courageous, costly, cooperative, clever. And then under cautions to commitment, two points, co-belligerency and circumspection. And Then he had a closing that was three applications. And those actually aren't alliterated, but there was still three more points in the wow. closing. It was a it was it was a it was a quite a display.
0: <laughs> of alliteration.
1: Wow. A lot of Cs too, actually, now that I look at it. A lot of Cs.
0: You know you're digging deep when One of the C words that you come up with to keep everything on point is (laughs) co-belligerency. (laughs)
1: Co-belligerency and circumspection. Um, Yeah, well, and and it may not shock you as well. The sermon was pushing an hour. So there were a lot of points. Yep. Um, Anyway, so thank you, unnamed preacher out there uh, on the interwebs that we know who you are. (laughs) Yeah, I I I'd, I'd become myself co-belligerent if I had to
0: sit through a sermon that long. With yeah. all those points. no, that
1: was so. that was fun. It was fun to take notes listening to that sermon because it was it was pretty insane. Um, He's still going. So yeah, it, so no, it wasn't actually in um, like a, a pendulum swing to that. It really was like I I was feeling very stuck and I just like fought back on on these Scott Saul sermons I've listened to where <laughs> he just totally punts. So, so it was like sweet.
0: So maybe the analogy better. I, I liked when you said I just went and parked in the parking garage instead, but, but based on this, like maybe you just like left the car half parked. Yeah. Just got <laughs> out. The, yeah.
1: It's like, well, this is hard. I'll it's just. like one of the Allstate commercials, you yeah. know, where you just, you, you know, the guy, the the mayhem guy. Right. Know, yep. Just walks away from the scene in total <laughs> <Yeah>. chaos. <laughs> I'm not going to try to keep parking this right now. Yeah.
0: It is what it is. That's funny. Okay. Bar band cover tunes. The I think I heard you say the story about was it S- Smither, Smithers S- Sivley Ryan Sivley okay. yeah from the, from the Washington Post.
1: Yep, I mean, there's I Jeff mean, if Bezos you Google will. his name, you would okay. find like I mean, there's an article. Obviously, like a lot of like local news outlets yeah. around Austin had it, but the Washington Post article was nice. written a little bit later, like a, like maybe a week later. So it had a little bit more synthesis, or some of those local ones were like mm-hmm. day of, day after. You know, they were like quick hits, right? But anyway.
0: Yeah. So so sometimes when I come to a story like that to use in a sermon, the story comes to mind first and then I fit it to whatever I do. But then other times it's, Hey, I looking for a story about X and yep. then come upon it, which, which of it this time. Y- yeah, no, it was you? the latter
1: for me. Yes. I, I was looking specifically for a story about rescue or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Yep. Um, it just so happened when I stumbled across this, that there was also the piece in it. Um, where the motivation for him to help was because he is one who had felt helpless. And I thought, oh, that's... Yeah, that's, that's a nice twist I'm going to go ahead and like stop it. looking for yep. illustrations and yeah. just sit on this one. Because yeah. that's like too almost too perfect. Right. Like too good to be true. So, uh, yeah, so I went out and found it uh, looking for... Not necessarily a story like that was real life or whatever. Yeah. But illustration of some kind that had to do with rescue. And I stumbled across this one. And, um, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it fit well. And it was like, you know... It was a year ago but mm-hmm. um it was recent enough yeah and i think it was a i know for us up here in the northeast for most of us it didn't like directly affect our lives but like we have people in our congregation that have family in texas my wife was still working at the time for a local company here she had um clients and i remember yeah. when that storm happened and she was like yeah i talked to my my client today who's in Texas and like he was sitting like in his car, like his dogs were in the car and he had the car running and he was like parked outside of a Starbucks to use the Wi-Fi, And yeah, it was like chaos down there. And I did, and she had some stories. And you hear other stories from other people that have family or friends down there. Um, you know, and it was just a year ago, a little over a year ago. So it felt like a a current event, sort of, at -hmm. least in the broad scope of history, Yeah, (laughs) it was a current event. Um, so it was kind of happy to use that too. Um, that it was, it was in kind of recent memory.
0: Yeah. My, my one disappointment, Eric, about your telling that story is that you could have pulled a Bill Clinton. You might be too young to, so So one of his, in this way, one, <laughs> one of his rhetorical tricks would be, and in my opinion, and I I don't think this is a crazy strange, like he's a good storyteller. Like he's, mm. he, he's a good speech giver. And so he would Pepper his speeches with a lot of stories that were dramatic or spoke to some policy issue one way or another, and whenever he could, he loved to towards towards the end of the speech say, "And that person is here with us this morning." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so, I when you began oh, when you started you to call back at the end, what was his name Ryan St- Ryan Sibley? Yeah. Ryan Sibley. I was I was hoping that you would have uh, said, "And Ryan Sibley you know is what? here
1: this morning." So the funny thing is that like bro put his cell phone number out there so like it's i don't know if it's still the same but like i did actually during my sermon prep this week think about texting it just that to see really funny just to see if yeah. it was still a, a uh, real number or still right. his number yeah and man I, like i totally could have invited him
0: what what's the over under if that story has been used in sermons before maybe it has been of the pastor as a stage trick calling him <laughs> from the pulpit <laughs> oh yeah so yeah yeah
1: yeah like patching them in yeah um we have an open illustration this morning i'm gonna let this guy tell it instead (laughs) uh gosh it like any pat so it's been what it's been uh that was like 18 ish months ago roughly yeah i mean i put the over under like 3.5 yeah yeah it's definitely happened right yep
0: yep yeah. yeah, well, it missed opportunity. Yeah, that's I'd, a good point. Especially
1: because I had his number potentially. Yeah.
0: We'll, we'll see if we can get Ryan this coming Sunday at Liberty College. Maybe if any, if travel any, well, any of our
1: Howland Wolves want to Google his name and find his number and then reach out to him, feel free to drop <laughs> us a line and let us know how it went. <laughs> Unless there's liability involved, that keep us out of it. I mean, it. it's so li- like his way. number's just out there. I don't know. I it could. It's probably a dead number now. But what a guy. Yeah, live television, man. Just give up the cell phone. Yeah. Okay. So that that
0: was a really nice story. Uh, Bar and cover tunes. So you've you've beaten me to it. It's it's been a long time goal of mine, Eric, to <laughs> quote from a book of church order. But I knew that's what you're gonna say. <laughs> I, Didn't you like that? The, it, it, it turned out to be a really good quote. It's a, ni- but, it's a nice definition. Yeah. Uh, I uh, when I was listening to the sermon and and running. When Did you start laughing out loud. I, I when when you first said, "I'm going to read you something from our BCO book," I, I shouted. I was like, <laughs> "What? No! <laughs> Don't do it!" The Orange Bible. <laughs> like, where's this going? I almost swerved it, jumped onto, you know, moving truck in front of me. But it, it was it was good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's a ni- it's a nice little Who quote. Knows? I remember that from when I was going through my ordination stuff over, you know, which I finished a little over a year ago. Yeah. Um, but for the couple of years. <laughs> few years prior to that that i was working on it um yeah i remember it came up in in a couple of different classes and i i couldn't remember it exactly i remember mm-hmm. like and i remember there was something in the beginning of the bco and it was like pretty like missional it had like a nice sentness yeah. mission focus right um so that was kind of what i was what i was looking for and and as you know i like to try to find something <laughs> you got it in from the standards of the reformed church in america bco not quite isn't technically part of the standards but it is part of the uh of the uh shoot what do you call it constitution yeah part of the constitution the trifecta i
0: believe
1: i knew that yeah they look at you man wow. Prep, prepping for our city classes meeting next week when you need it paul <laughs> yeah part of the constitution so, Yep. yeah yeah so the liturgy and bco and and uh standards so yeah yeah anyway yeah so that was kind of a way to sneak in my uh my goal of either a dutch uh theologian or or from the standards hmm. um yeah, I, I thought about doing a little something from like the Heidelberg, and ended up not using it. So anyway, so okay. snuck it in that way.
0: Yeah, I like it. And then you gave the Jack Miller quote that you mentioned earlier from yep. from from Sonship. Fun fact: Cheer up! I for, yeah, say it again. Let's not gloss over it. Oh, here I'll pull it up in my notes. Uh, no, I haven't actually memorized. i uh, not well, the memorizer. While you're pulling it up, uh, Eric, I'm not sure if you know, but our listeners more broadly might not. Steve Huber are. Communion director, the Liberty Communion director, just took a lead pastor role of Covenant Presbyterian Church Doylestown. Jack Miller was one of the previous pastors there. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like free so, New Life, I guess. I think so. I yeah. New life so, was like his so, so when I was there a couple of weeks ago at Steve's installation, ah. it was also the 130th right birthday That's of right. of of that church, and so he didn't found it. Right right. right. was well, not that old. Right. But, correct. Correct. But, right. but he served there at some point. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So here's so here's the quote, and um probably the most famous of his quotes, uh, and you hear it rift on a lot, uh, na- notably Tim by Keller. Tim Keller. Yeah. yeah. Um Cheer up. You are a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine, and you are more loved than you ever dared hope. Right. And there's a um uh, biography that was put out. Um, just about a year or so ago, that's called Cheer Up. That's about Jack Miller right. and his life and ministry. I haven't yeah. read it. I haven't read it yet, but I've I've heard uh, from Angelo, mm-hmm. who's one of Jack Miller's son in laws, right. uh, who's a part of Liberty Communion, that uh, that it's good and that his mom Barbara approves. Okay,
0: heard it from the source. Okay. Yeah, that that was a good one. Last last thing in connection there, I was joking last week, Eric, with Matt Loyal from Liberty Harrisburg when I was with him in, in Atlanta. I don't. I don't know how many Covenant folks listen to this podcast necessarily, but Matt and I were, were laughing. We're super grateful for, for Covenant. They're going to be awesome parts of our communion. We're already digging into relationship in a lot of ways. But I would want to ask them, 130-year anniversary service. Like, do they have it a, like a, every five years that they have a birth, church birthday? Think about that. Why why 130? Yeah. Like they probably, 125 would make sense. Yeah, they
1: probably did a 120. Maybe they do them like every 10 years, and they did it, but they also probably did a 125. But then they, but then they, yeah. If it's, if it's every 10 years, you don't do the 125, which would seem well. To but make you sense. would because it's such a big one. But then it's like every five years. But, but not anymore. Okay. Not until they get to 175 to 180, then it'll only be five years again. I don't know. Okay. That is kind of random. I agree. Yeah. I mean, but obviously it's a round number. It's better than like 132nd. Like I, built built party.
0: Like, I, I felt like I felt like, there, there was a big party party afterwards. I I didn't stay super long, but I I toyed with the idea of being like a Larry David and just going around asking people. Let me ask you a question: Why 130? It doesn't make any sense.
1: You could have like your little uh, like your little reporter hat on, right? You know, yes. little, to, trying to get man the scoop. and woman on the street. Yeah. Okay, so that's Jack Miller. You also had
0: PDT.
1: Yeah, Paul David Trip. Yeah, it ended up being a little bit of a Philadelphia focused. Yeah. quotes from those two, which wasn't necessarily on purpose. But yeah, little Paul David Trip quote there about uh, the importance of community and that being the goal of being a whole human, not a healthy individual. So yeah, yeah it's a nice little quote.
0: Do you know that time Trip wrote something that that didn't come across that great and wasn't well written? Do I? Yeah, there is there there is no time. Okay, dude smooth. Sad. Dude is smooth. Yeah. Yeah, He's a good I mean, he, yeah, good writer. Yeah, good speaker. Good he, dresser. Yeah,
1: great mustache as
0: well. Great mustache. Yeah, the complete package.
1: He really is. I mean, <laughs> hashtag Pastor Goals for that guy. <laughs> right, <laughs> crushing it. So th- that's all that I had noted. Barbed cartoons. Anything else that I was forgetting? Yeah, and the only other things that I wrote down, like the the passages that I. Oh yeah, the Bible passages right. that I referenced. Uh, Proverbs twenty six eleven about like the dog returning to his vomit. Yeah, that's like,
0: always a good one.
1: That's a good one. I don't think yeah. I've ever used that in a sermon before, but. Again, it was just one of those ones that as I was studying, it just came to mind. I've, it's like, I couldn't not use it.
0: I've made a joke about that passage before. I think at my church in Texas, it was the land of like giant Christian stores, like Christian stuff. Like Christian bookstores. Yeah, Christian bookstores. With book like gifties and stuff Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and We had a couple our, of those in Knoxville. We, we met close close to, to the big Christian superstore. And before saying that first, I would always say, Can you get a bumper sticker with that verse on it? Yeah, I would like a crocheted pillow, please. Yeah. (laughs) Like this. With
1: a little poop emoji on it.
0: (laughs) I'm sure it's out there as I think about it. Okay, yeah, but that was a good one. Uh, Yeah,
1: Romans 5, uh, 8 and 10, just about how we were rescued when we were still like enemies and sinners. Um, Luke 18, which is the the Pharisee uh, praying... (laughs) It, <laughs> That's such not, a great not very humbly. But and then, uh, <laughs> and then the center next to him praying. Yeah. Just such a, that juxtaposition of those two, yeah. um, is, is, pretty unbelievable. God um, have mercy
0: on me, the sinner.
1: Yeah. And then Genesis two, um, just the reference <laughs> yep. of, uh, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. That's, you know, my, it's like my wedding, my wedding passage, really? um, Genesis two. But, yeah. um, when I, when I officiate weddings, so you can ask a few people in our church that have been there, done that. <laughs> um, yeah. So those were the those are the Bible uh, references. So yeah, those eight references, four non-Bible, four Bible, just happened to be that way.
0: Perfect balance. I love it. Guitar, slim pickings. On my radar, Eric. You had when you asked people to, who did you imagine yourself to be in the sermon? And you said take a moment to think about it. That was an excellent use of pause. Thank you, Bud. Yeah, you 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 didn't go too fast. Instead, you waited
1: yeah but then jim <laughs> after i waited i didn't realize i don't want anybody to raise their hand so i did i did toss that <laughs> oh that that was an impromptu like, I, you know, hey yeah okay. don't you know, we don't need to see any hands just think about it um, yeah yeah <laughs> who here has cheated on their spouse <laughs> don't raise your hand <laughs> let's talk later there's <laughs> no transition from that uh, uh, and, and
0: and then also I didn't write you you had a nice how are you of, how
1: are you filling in my guitar slim pick? how do you know the leftovers
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, continue Water on roll I'm excited so,
0: so the, the, there was really good alliteration so your if your points weren't alliterated oh, towards yeah. the end you had three Ps that were good like pat, our our passions are somethings, and our pacifiers.
1: Oh, that's Is actually – so that's actually a um, – Jack Miller. Oh, really? Yeah. That was in – that's in the Sonship book. He uses that. And I, and I actually um, – I'm not – I yeah, wasn't it's, familiar it's with posi- that. Um, I can't find it in my notes. It's uh, p- positions, Posses- possessions, and pacifiers. Okay. And like when he talks about idolatry, those yeah. are the three phrases that I he like uses. It. I actually think I like those better than Keller's. No. Oh, um, oh. The money, sex, power, because positions – so so positions is kind of power, mm-hmm. possessions is kind of like money. Yeah. But then pacifiers is just a much more broader term than sex. Right. Like like yep. like obviously like sexual identity and like sexual sin um, is a is a big one in our culture for like pacifiers that people yeah. go to as for idolatry. But like there's a lot more. Right. So yeah. so it's actually not only is it alliterated, but that mm-hmm. third one is a little bit like broader. Yeah. And gives you like some nice. Um, yeah, so I, I really like it. I, I haven't used it in a sermon, but I've actually used it in conversation, like okay. talking with people since I came across that in the, um, in the Sonship stuff. Yeah. But I, I really like that a lot.
0: I like it. And the only other thing I wanted to ask there is what is the nickname of pacifier in the Mitchell household?
1: Oh, uh, Binky. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're, a, we're a Binky family. Okay. Yeah. So we actually, did I tell you this or is this impromptu? we we can't we can't who yeah impromptu i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) impromptu the um on uh at at some point on sunday one of madison's uh my just over one-year-old daughter's pinky went missing and we have like oh you did tell me that yeah yeah. we have searched the entire house (laughs) twice over already right and it is i have no we have no idea where it is we have multiple of the exact same one Mm -hmm. so it's like fine but it's still like now it's not for her sake, it's for our sake. Of like, how can we not find this? Like, this is <laughs> maddening. It even has, like, a little, like, clip attached to it. So it's, like, it should be obvious. I don't know where it is. Is, uh, is, is Tucker going to poop it out in a couple of days? No, I hope not. Okay. No, no, that, would, that would be ugly. Sorry. Okay. It might have gone out in the trash this morning if she dropped it in a trash can. I don't know. But anyway, okay. we'll see. Um, yeah, I have a few guitar slim so picking things here. Hit me. Um uh, ran- random factoid this is the first battle in the scriptures like the first war first okay. battle in the scriptures which isn't like shocking we're only 14 chapters in okay. but still huh. um, something to think about um, I mentioned the road to Damascus thing already mm-hmm. um, uh, I-, I texted you about this Jim but I thought it would yeah. be fun to put out on the yeah, podcast I like it. so again like one of my habits is to like listen to a sermon or maybe two of, of some other pastors that have preached on this exact passage one of the places I go to first is Redeemer's uh, website for their for their content, which is called gospelandlife.com yeah. or .org or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's all of the content from Redeemer ever since Keller planted it like in the late 80s, I believe, yeah. right? Yep. So you're talking 30-plus years of content. Mm-hmm. And, and Redeemer Church New York City has never preached on this <laughs> passage in their 30-plus year history. Yeah. So that that chapter Boom. choice on the little menu was grayed out um, and then I went over to the Gospel Coalition's website, yeah. which is another place that I'll go to. They have a nice resources page that and links to all of kinds content. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and and Gospel Coalition has zero content connected to Genesis 14, period, at all. <laughs> so And that's the wow. only chapter in, in Genesis where that click choice is grayed out. All the rest of them are like orange or whatever that you can that click is on. That's
0: crazy. I would have guessed at least with the Melchizedek stuff at the end of Genesis 14. So I was actually
1: yeah. talking to Carrie about this. My guess is that... Both Keller or Redeemer in general, other pastors, mm-hmm. and then obviously Gospel Coalition. There, there probably is stuff on Melchizedek, but it's coming the other way around, like from Psalm 10 like or from Hebrew. Exactly, when yeah. somebody's preaching on one of those two right. pastors, and then looking backwards rather yeah. than preaching on the Melchizedek passage being like the scripture text. Um, oh, yeah. So anyway, I thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, my idea, Eric, is that Genesis 14 can be like our platform. This is how we build up an audience when we're just like the Genesis 14 pastors.
1: Well, je- sure. I don't know what that means really, but <laughs> uh I mean I like bread and wine. It's like the a back <laughs> piece. I don't know if that covers it. Oh, but.
0: my my original the original title, sorry, sorry for this total, no, total randomness and I'll yeah. I'll shut up after this. But the, the original title for Five Golden Things, do you know what, what it was gonna be? Like for the or, whole or, thing? The yeah, whole for a sister podcast. Oh gosh. I don't think you ever mentioned uh uh-uh. It it was Nixed by both Emily and Pat, I think correctly. Bread and circus. The what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was going to be bread and circus. So that it's it, it's from ancient Rome, uh, okay. where where there was a politician that was ridiculing the Roman people that they were easily pacified, distracted when oh, okay. they should be upset about stuff. And he says all they care about is their bread and circuses.
1: Panem et circenses. So yeah, that's too deep. Yeah. Dark. That's, that's, that's too, that's too deep down there. Yeah. Have you ever shared on this podcast, like your original theme for this podcast before it was a blues theme? Oh, it was a f- the, the, the food. It was food. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a five course I or something. Think, yeah. The, I liked that outline. It was a good one. Too. It was
0: fun. The, the, the section about the sermon passage, this is the only header I remember. It was going to be called on do we do it. <laughs> So, undoe sausage is a it's a New Orleans type of sausage and gumbo, and so uh, every that's week we said I don't do it. Play. Oh man, would have been great. I'll have to work that back that's in. A lot of puns. Maybe we can come back
1: in some other iteration. <laughs> uh, Okay, what else? Got guitar slum pickings. Uh, Mention that. Mention that. Mention that. Yeah. Okay. So two more things. Okay. Uh, in in the moment, I I cut a quote as I was working my way through the passage. Uh, Do you, do you know who Lee Corso is? The f- football guy? Yeah. Okay. So he's a ESPN, like right. college football. He's an old head. Yeah, he's an older guy. Yeah. He's on a uh, college football game day, like on Saturday right. mornings. Yep. And he's like famous because when he makes his pick for that game that they're in person, he puts on like the mascot head. That's Oh, like, that's right. That's yep. like his shtick. Yep. So one of his other like rhetorical shticks is that when they're doing picks, the, if the person before him, you know, picks like the team different than him, he'll mm-hmm. go, not so fast, my friend. That's <laughs> okay. like one of his little things. Yeah. And uh, I actually had that written in my notes with like I was asking for people to like, do you think you're Abram or Lot? Uh huh. Oh. I was gonna I was gonna pull a little course of not so fast, my friend. Oh, I like that. You're Lot, but as I was preaching in the moment and like feeling the vibe of the room, I thought this is not this is, this is like too loud of left field. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna axe axe this. So. Um, but college game day was was uh, in in Knoxville just a couple of weeks ago for uh-huh. the uh, Tennessee Florida game, so it was fresh on my mind. Um, when
0: I was preaching at New Life Klasper, I, f- I forget what it was. I made some joke that I think would have worked at would, but uh, totally did not. Flopped. Yeah, big floppa do. Like, I'll, I'll just keep talking. <laughs> I feel like that one
1: may have. Mi- I feel like that one probably would have missed anyway because we don't have a ton of college football fans regionally in our, it's not and, yeah, yeah regionally you're in our church there are some penn state fans and, and others right um, but it's not huge yeah um and then and then the last guitarist i'm picking you asked this question before we we turned on the mics and started talking you asked okay. me what was up with my paper that i yes, have in front that's of me right. uh it's on parchment this <laughs> this is the first sermon that it's i've ever preached printed out on like resume <laughs> quality paper so i didn't it's,
0: know you were trying to impress me <laughs>
1: there it is it um what happened i sunday morning i'm like within 30 minutes of leaving the house uh-huh. to come i click print and i have no paper oh in my no printer. there was zero paper in my printer and i thought oh and so yeah. i just started digging through the closet in mm-hmm. my in my home office uh-huh. and found this box of like 50 pages of like high quality who knows how much we paid for it resume paper yeah that was left over from like i think when we i think it's from when we moved here my wife was working for state farm at the yeah. time. And so when we were moving, she was dropping off like copies of her resume at yeah. like, local state farm offices. Right, right. Um, and I think that's maybe when we bought it or it could be even older than that. But anyway, we still had enough pages that I was able to print out, um, my notes Looks and like even little... my notes for this podcast because yeah. my my copy so paper done... has not arrived from amazon yet
0: it has it has like a lord of the rings vibe to it it's, oh, it's, we're is it coming full circle with the, huh. of the rings yeah.
1: anyway so this is the first sermon i've ever preached uh on printed out on on such high quality paper so that's my <laughs> last guitar slim pickings
0: that could be your thing only preach on parchment that's your <laughs> preaching
1: on parchment.com maybe i can like ha- like print it on a scroll so <laughs>
0: <laughs> he teaches us one with authority. I guess the,
1: <laughs> in the modern scroll is the, the iPad mini, and you just scroll on the iPad. Yeah. I guess that's the modern yep. scroll.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's really good. couple of Helen Wolves here, Eric, as we, as, as we sign off. These are from the previous couple of weeks. When I recorded last week, I didn't have time. One is from Helen Wolf Scott, the first Helen Wolf of season three. Hey, Jim and Emily, enjoyed the sermon. Loved the discussion of how it's okay not to get God and tying it into Job, not ending the way we'd probably want it to end. I forget if you were there for that sermon that I talked about how <clears throat> it was a sermon about the divine incomprehensibility, the deus uh-huh. absconditus. I was not there for that. From nah, I think that's it I was one of about. the weird passages f- from, from Genesis so far. and And I mentioned at one point that modern... Modern people can like Job a little bit. can can say, "Oh yeah, Job's a great book." It ends with you know, problem, problem, of suffering, and yeah, that's that's something we all get. But fewer have actually read how Job ends <laughs> when God just kind or of... read the whole thing. It's <laughs> right. a slog. It is, yeah. it is long. Th- this passage was actually one of the ones we had for the fourth session of the Bible One One class. Oh, this is Abram's descent in, in into Egypt.
1: Okay, I was uh, thinking. Yeah, <clears throat> I missed the two the two sermons. Right, twelve. The two,
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, so at the Bible 101 class that myself, Scott, and Abigail led here at Liberty in August, we talked about prescriptive versus descriptive, and Abram telling his wife, Sarai, to say, don't say you're my wife, but my sister. Right, right, right. Descriptive, not prescriptive. Correct. So I found it interesting that different commentators try to paint over the difficulties of the passage in various ways. And he actually highlights the same story from the Church of Latter-day Saints scriptures and the the story is told differently. So uh-huh. it, it's Sarai is blamed and not Abram. Whoops. Which which I didn't know and is really interesting. Huh. But Scott, thanks for sending that our way. And I think it highlights again how within our interpretive traditions we're uncomfortable with biblical characters doing the wrong thing. and
1: Yeah. Or, or a character like Abram is supposed to be this patriarch and like, right. is pointed to in Paul as being like the man of faith par excellence. Yeah. So for him to have yep. made such a goofy mistake is tough to reconcile. Yeah.
0: For. Yeah. So thank you, Helen Wolf Scott. And then also Helen Wolf Yvonne texted in, wanted to point out that there's a large segment of, oh, this is when I was talking about prosperity gospel stuff from a week or two ago. Yeah. And I made the comment yeah, just that, last week. Yeah. that prosperity gospel can be tied with minority culture churches. The sociological reason being, if if they're poor communities, by and large or yeah. de- demographically, statistically, prosperity gospel will make sense a lot more in those contexts uh, because you know right. Right, right. You don't have don't have as much. But then Yvonne says on the West Coast, there are Christians out there, California, Oregon, that are middle to upper class, mostly white congregations as opposed to poor, marginalized communities that follow manifest theology, which is not a term I'm familiar with capital M, capital T, Mm. which Yvonne says is a strain of prosperity gospel, and it bears similarities to the prosperity gospel. And then she asks, do you think that these churches that practice the manifest theology are, are they coming from a scarcity mindset or a privileged mindset or both? Oh yeah, interesting. And so my my quick thought there, Yvonne, would be I think that I think your text shows that maybe I was a little under nuanced in a I what I said about prosperity gospel there are more categories or nuances within it, maybe And I would peg, if there are middle to upper class folks that are also doing a lot of prosperity gospel sort of stuff, maybe it's just American consumerism, where uh, even if you have a lot, it just sort of makes sense. I want to acquire, acquire, acquire. Yeah. And so, yeah, even if you're wealthy enough, there's something attractive about getting more. So consumerist mentality?
1: Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think in um, upper middle class middle and upper middle class type churches, like a gospel that reaffirms like our cultural idolatries of comfort, convenience, safety, and security is mm. going to sound attractive, right? Because yeah. it reaffirms kind of what we already value and believe and potentially worship as a, as a upper or middle class culture of people, especially if they're privileged. So yeah, that, I think that makes sense to me that it, it could be f- for those reasons. That's interesting though. I have yeah. to, have to do a deep dive of capital M manifest theology and, uh, my free time,
0: yeah. Which is also going to be part of our Genesis 14 platform that we're building. Genesis 14 manifest theology. How Abram, how
1: Abram is king and Melchizedek is priest pushes against manifest. Theology. <laughs> Manifests.
0: There we go. And those are what we have for the Howlin' Wolves. Please email in. You can either text me. I'm. I'm, I'm not giving. I'm not going to pull a Ryan Stivers and give my phone number <laughs> out over this this podcast. But you can text me if you have my number, and or write in to postSundayBlues
1: Eric, any closing shots? Nah, man, that's all I got. I'm, uh, I don't know what to do with this resume paper. Do I just recycle it, I guess? I don't know. It's so nice.
0: To be continued. How was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem production of liberty collingswood go ahead rate review and subscribe and you can find all things liberty collingswood at libertycollingswood.org no more post sunday blues here comes some pre-sunday happy
2: i guess hello hello